Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topics and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now, here's your host, award-winning certified exit planning advisor, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the exit planning podcast show. Today's guest is an expert in business valuation, and we're going to talk about various types of valuation, when they apply, why it's important, and why business owners really need to know the basics. But first, we'll hear from our esteemed sponsors. What we see with many businesses is that they've never gotten marketing to work consistently and the marketing they do doesn't meaningfully impact their bottom line. Data approaches it differently by partnering with clients for long-term, sustainable marketing solutions. They start with a consultative, crawl-walk-run approach that helps you scale your marketing efforts naturally. Data provides marketing for the long-time success of your business to tell your story in a compelling way and to make sure the value you bring is apparent to everyone. Go to data.com for more information. That's D-A-Y-T-A.com. TrustPoint will design and manage a 401k plan that fits your company's needs. They handle everything from record keeping and investments to employee education and ongoing administration. And they take on the highest level of fiduciary responsibility to ensure your 401k plan is compliant. You already have plenty to keep you up at night. Your 401k plan should not be one of them. Visit TrustPointInc.com for more details. Many business owners planning a business transition often feel overwhelmed and don't know where to start. I'm Kyla Hansen, a partner at JAK CPAs. We can guide you to make sense of the numbers and the tax pieces of your transition. Leaving your business successfully takes time. So contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at www.jakcpa.com. Attention all business owners. Are you seeking to learn more about exit planning? True North Mergers and Acquisitions is excited to announce our M&A Summit. Join us on September 13th at the Minneapolis Event Center for a day full of panels, guest speakers, and breakout sessions that will emphasize profitability for your business. Register for this free event today at www.jakcpa.com. TNMA.com slash events. The summit will feature keynote speaker Russell Price, the chief economist for Ameriprise Financial, whose work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and Bloomberg News. Join us on September 13th at the Minneapolis Event Center for our MA Summit. Register for this free event today at www.tnma.com slash events. Space is limited, so register today. We got another outstanding event coming up that you won't want to miss. The Twin Cities chapter of the Exit Planning Institute is hosting our fifth annual Owners Forum on Thursday, October 5th from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Midland Hills Country Club in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to be talking about the state of business owner preparedness and how you can increase enterprise value with some fabulous speakers, as well as share the results of the State of Owner Readiness Survey. For more information, see the show notes so you can register for this important event. We'd love to see you there. Welcome back, everyone. We are here today with Kyla Hansen, partner with JAK CPAs and one of our show sponsors. Kyla, welcome back to Poised for Exit. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to have you here again. And it's been a while since you were in the studio. Mm -hmm. um, 
And here we are in August of 2023, eight months through the year. I just wanted to start out by asking you, how has 2023 uh, surprised you? Like, what have you seen that you maybe weren't expecting this year so far? Uh, Overall, I'm surprised that transactions are still happening. And I was expecting that there was going to be a dip in a lot of values. Mm. And I'm not seeing that. I thought, and also, you know, the rising interest rates, it maybe it slowed a, it slowed down a little, but not as much as I thought it would. Wow, that's that's a good comment. I think that's good for business owners to hear too. And and like I said in the opener of the show, uh, we're going to talk about different methods of valuation and why certain types are used in certain situations, and then maybe a little bit about what business owners really need to know, like what might sure. the basics be. So maybe we could just dive right in. Um, yeah. So methods of valuing a company, let's start with that. Okay. So there's a few ways to look at it. Um, the one I like to start with is called the adjusted net asset value technically, but I call it the floor value. And what that is, is you're worth at least what your balance sheet is. You know, you collect your AR, you pay your bills, sell your equipment and inventory. Mm. That's a baseline. You're at least worth that. Um, yeah. Yep. So beyond that, you know, there's usually intangible value too. You have a workforce, you have a reputation, um, all those things. And the way that you figure out the intangible is you look to the income stream or the cash flow. I see. So cash flow really determines those intangibles because the intangibles are driving that value, right? right? So that's that's your metric. Yep. yep. So taking a step back really quick, when you talked about uh, floor value, does that have anything to do with, like, say, for instance, if a business has to liquidate and they're trying to determine what the asset value is? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. there that could even be, I don't take it as far as a fire sale where you're trying mm-hmm. to just sell everything off and maybe you'll do it at a discount. Mm-hmm. But that's certainly something that could come into consideration if you are thinking closing the doors versus selling the company. And kind of looking ahead crystal ball here Mm -hmm. with the number of smaller businesses that still have yet to transition where we may end up in the near future with a supply demand issue where there's more Mm -hmm. supply than demand. Mm -hmm. Do you foresee that that might be a problem? I mean, it certainly could be Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I haven't been seeing that yet. But, you know, for, for how co- companies have been stacking up on things because of the shortages, mm-hmm. certainly, you know, excess could be sitting out there, which, you know, the value on that is could be less. Yeah. So let's get back to the different methods of valuation. Yeah, sure. So um, looking to the income stream, that there are two, two approaches with that. Um, one is market, think market comps. Um, it's guideline mm-hmm. public company and guideline merge and acquired is the technical term, where you could see what companies are trading for. It's usually a metric of EBITDA or net income. Um, the other side is to actually look to the specific company um, and look to their historical financials to figure out the value. That's called the capitalization of earnings. The other way to look at it is called discounted cash flow. It's it's really valuing on the cash flow from projections. Mm-hmm. So when we are t- when we talk about comps, you know, industry comps, information like that, mm-hmm. I suppose the data that you that you that you get, and and I'm sure you do. You know, you probably subscribe to a lot of different mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. platforms and stuff. 
It's only as good as the input, right? Right. Yeah. Right. It's only good as the input and how, you know, the market that, you know, is that company in Florida, you know, there's a lot of factors that can come into play. So usually yeah. evaluator looks to the market approach, but uses it as a high level guideline mm. is okay. typically or weights it less. Got it. Got it. So then when it comes to valuation, there's as much art as there is science. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Yep. Sweet. Yep. So you're probably painting on the side. Like, do you do watercolor and oil and <laughs> probably sing right, and dance? Right. And <laughs> a lot of it is all the actually. Arts. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it is um, painting the picture, especially for mm. the business owner of, of that mm. story and, and why there's value there and, and helping the numbers tell mm. that story. You had said something earlier when we were talking about this that companies are really worth more than their hard assets. But then, how do you go about calculating that? Yeah, so you you would if you're looking where I like to start is looking to the um, historical financials, and typically we, we take five years. You could do more. Um, mm. It's you know it's it's based on what seems reasonable, and then if you're looking backwards, massaging out the unusual items. Mm. Um, COVID is an easy one to pick out because really what we're trying to do is figure out looking backward, what is the income stream that we're selling? Um, And hopefully we don't have PPP income and those things popping in. They aren't really tied to operations. Mm -hmm. So you back those out. Those are called normalizing adjustments. Mm -hmm. Um, Other other items that you frequently see as an adjustment is Rent above or below market value, a lot of times the real estate is owner-occupied, so maybe rent isn't at fair market value. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, or if, you know, you moved or you had a big lawsuit, you know, just just those unusual things. Um, and in closely held businesses, typically officer compensation is an adjustment as well. I was going to just say compensation is usually not right at market. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And look for other things that they do, the company does that they don't need to do. That's not tied to operations, like Mm -hmm. a large charitable gift, something like that. Sure. Sure. And then under the normalization uh, topic, like taking out those, you know, season tickets and trip to the Bahamas. And (laughs) overall, you want to look for those types of things. And I advise starting to stop putting those items in the company's books just get things cleaned up so the income stream is more realistic of what the company is actually kicking out. Right. Well, a buyer coming in would need to know, like, can the company sustain, you know, a, a typical CEO salary? Can the company, right. you know, handle payments to the seller, payments to the bank? I read all of those things, mm-hmm. right? For the smaller mm-hmm. businesses, it's pretty important for, right. you know, to determine that. And you can't really do that unless you have real numbers, which many right. times are not there. So Um, on the normalization side, then, um, once you've normalized the income, you were talking earlier about building a cap rate. How do you do that? Yeah. So there's a few, you know, valuation methodologies to use. A common one is a buildup method. Um, a lot of is, a lot of it is indexed. Um, Kroll Capital is one of the places I subscribe to, to help me build a cap rate. And it indexes a lot of, um, metrics to put in there. One of them is like the risk-free rate, the 20-year T-bill. What is that rate? You plug that in. Industry risk premium. What is, you know, the risk for this industry? Mm -hmm. Um, Size premium. Uh, Another thing is um, company-specific risk. And that is a very judgmental 
item on the evaluator. I would think so. And things that can come into play with that is um, concentration of customer base. You know, if you have one major customer, you're riskier. Right. Sure. Therefore, your cap rate should be higher. Mm-hmm. And a higher cap rate means more risk and less value. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other things that are kind of squishy when it comes to building that cap rate? Well, you know, they are guidelines. For even example, the uh, risk-free premium. Some evaluators were adjusting that up, saying that inflate the uh, the rates were artificially low. You know, mm. prior to where we are now. Sure. That's one, and also one of the factors that can go into the cap rate is the um, optimal debt to equity structure. Mm. It's another evaluator judgment. Mm-hmm. So what are a couple of other things or other items that come into play um, once you've got the value of the business, right? Are, they, sure. are there like uh, value add, you know, impact, some, something that impacts or detracts from the value? Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the next step after you come up with an enterprise value is looking to um, are there non-operating assets or liabilities? And if I take a step back when you're doing enterprise value, it includes all of the underlying assets that you need, the working capital you need to generate that income stream. So looking beyond that and saying, okay, but maybe I have a lot of cash from a retention credit refund I received. Or I've been stockpiling excess. You, you, those are called non-operating assets and liabilities, and you mm-hmm. add or subtract those off. Um, other examples is maybe you own some land that really isn't tied to operations. You add that in. Um, liabilities that aren't tied to operations, for example, like a ownership transaction loan, you would back that off from the value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, rising interest rates. Uh, I At the beginning of the year, I know I had a couple people that were in the deal-making space that were talking about how that could or will impact Mm -hmm. deals and deal making. And now here we are, like I said before, into the eighth month of the year. And what have you seen? Yep, I've seen cap rates um, go up by about 2% Mm -hmm. um, for sure. And and really that's just fundamentally if you're going through the valuation um, process. One of the inputs is the T-value, T-bill rate. So, you know, as that goes up, it's just a function of the formula. And also, I, I've seen, you know, I subscribe to um, some articles, and according to Deal Stats, their second quarter article, industry wide, um, all of US, EBITDA multiples are about three. And just before COVID, mm. they were a multiple of four. So there has been a tick down that, that we're seeing based on, you know, sales that are happening. Okay. So when we say EBITDA multiples are at three and they used to be at four, is that just like an average of all industries? Average of all industries. Yeah, because I know that there were some industries that were selling at higher multiples and some at lower. So got it. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Good to know. Good to know. You know, um, gosh, I'm trying to think if I remember right, and it hasn't been that long, but, you know, 11 years, I think, since I started consulting, 12 years uh, EBITDA multiples were right around an average of four. Mm-hmm. And so that really hasn't changed a whole lot. You know, you've been doing this for a while, Kylo. Would, would you say that that's kind of a good rule of thumb for an owner? Yeah, it's certainly... Realistic? It certainly is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could be in a certain industry where you could get a multiple of 11. You could yeah. be in an industry that has a low um, 
ease of entry, you can, you know, get a truck and start doing landscaping or whatever it might be. Those multiples tend to be lower. Sure. Plus they're seasonal and cyclical. True. And yeah. 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 That kind of detracts from the value a little bit. Interesting. So what are the services available for determining value? Yeah, there's a lot of consulting around that. Mm-hmm. Um, the most commonly known is, a, I call it a full-blown valuation, where the valuator is independent, does an analysis of the economy, um, looks to your management team, looks to industry, your ratios, um, writes you know a, a report that could be 100 pages. That's the ironclad um, service. Mm-hmm. Then beyond that, there's what's called a calculation engagement, where it brings in the valuation concepts of valuing on market comps, valuing on historical, valuing on projections, and it comes with a report. It's not as in-depth. Um, you help decide how to value the company with, with your um, provider, and it's only about five pages. So it's just a good way to get halfway there. If you just need an idea or you're in the process of negotiating a sale. Yeah, I was wondering, like, so you can go through the rest of these, but then yeah. let's go back and kind of go through each one and go, okay, well, in this particular situation, mm-hmm. that's when this particular type of valuation would apply. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, another service, which is very low level, you know, I guess I should say very high level, and that's just looking to your historicals, doing some normalizing adjustments and applying a multiple. Mm-hmm. You know, those EBITDA multiples. You can get a little more specific. We subscribe to some databases that give by industry multiples to apply based on um, seller discretionary earnings, EBITDA, revenue, mm-hmm. those types of metrics, just to give you a ballpark. Yeah. And it would seem like if I'm an owner that works with a CPA firm that doesn't provide valuation services, that that might be the method that I use just to give my client an idea of sure. what they might be looking at. Is yeah. That- yeah, yeah. I like to use it um, for high level. Do I have an estate problem? You yeah, know? sure. Um, I want to sell to my child who's within the company. I need something reasonable. Sure. It works for that. Yeah, got it. Or if you're very far out thinking about selling and just, you know, want, want a uh, reference point. Yeah. Well, and the calculation of value would be that as well, too, right? Maybe a little bit more robust. Yeah. Like if I know that I'm three to five years out, I probably need a better number, but I don't need a full blown, right? Right. Kind of know where I'm at today. Yep. Yep. And if you want to uh, a CPA, I have certain guidelines I have to follow from the AICPA if if, um, I'm doing that service and you want a written dollar amount, I have to do a calculation engagement. I can't do a written dollar amount value from mm-hmm. a rule of thumb. Sure. And and you, I know that you've done these f- uh, for clients of mine in the past. Mm-hmm. And so primarily calculation of value, correct? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I'm cer- certified to do a full-blown valuation, but I choose not to. Mm-hmm. I find the calculation engagement fits well for most of my clients. And Certainly valuations, they have a role, a very important role, and I refer that work out. Yes. And I think, well, you've got a lot of business, obviously a lot of business owner clients that you work with, and so you'd rather send that out if there's some kind of conflict with a buy-sell. Absolutely. Or, yeah. Right, yeah. If you have, yeah. if you think it might be going to court, get yeah. a valuation. Yeah. If you're doing a very large gift, you know, um, estate planning with the, with mm-hmm. the exemption so high right now, mm-hmm. get a valuation, mm-hmm. um, have that buttoned up and ironclad because 
the evaluator is independent in that right that service definitely and if you're contending the IRS over some kind of issue too, right? Right, you right. and the and the IRS still can disagree with the valuation, but it's at least the best you can do to support yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, what kind of recommendations, based on what you've talked about today, uh, that do you have for our listeners, especially for the business sure. owners? Yeah, yeah. Well, one is um, doing five-year projections. So under the discounted cash flow, um, valuing on projections, typically you look five years. So start doing that now and compare it to actual. That way, when you get to the point of doing value, mm. the valuator should hopefully give you some credit in that and, and adjust the company-specific risk for the projection risk. Another thing is highlight the unusual in your books. You have a lawsuit, you're moving, make a new account. That makes mm. it so much easier to pull out when looking backward. Mm. Good advice. Good yeah. advice. Yeah, and if you've got multiple income streams, track those separately. Yes. You know, IT, you could have um, maintenance agreements, equipment sales, service. So then, you know, it helps paint the picture of if one is pulling back, you can show the other is growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, well, just for planning purposes, you know, when businesses are trying to make decisions on where they want to grow and how they want to grow, they got to look to where they're making the money and, right, right? it's and good it's not, information to have too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, regardless of your stage. Yep. What else you got? Well, something I, I want to mention on the tax side, just because I am a CPA as well as a CVA, is we have the highest state exemption, as everyone knows, $13 million a, a person. Um that is going to sunset. It's a, in 2025. It's expected to sunset, go down to about seven million. Mm. The thing to be aware of is if you want to take advantage of that top piece that's going to go away, you actually have to gift until you're into that threshold before 2025. Ooh. So if I gifted seven million and it drops down to seven million, well, you just there's no nothing else I can do for you. Hmm. you'll have estate tax, assuming the laws don't change. You know, that's ever evolving. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I've got a couple clients right now that are positioning themselves to be gifting to children. Oh, sure. So we'll have to make sure yeah. that we... Yeah, and you know, those estate attorneys and valuators, they're going to be really busy coming up to the end of 2025. So get your yeah. ducks in a row now is what I recommend. So in other words, I won't be getting you on the show in 2025 because <laughs> you'll be sleeping at the office. Right. <laughs> That's the way it goes, right? Well, gosh, thanks for being on the show again. I really appreciate yeah, it, Kelly. Good for information. Me. Thanks for being such a loyal sponsor of the show. We really appreciate Absolutely. it. Um, provides great value for our listeners, both advisors and business owners. And thank you, everyone, for listening, for sharing, for reviewing. Please let us know what you'd like to learn more about. We are in the process right now of creating our show content for 2024 already. So let us know. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you again next time.